Hey y'all, it's Io here and welcome to episode 8 of The Nook. Thank you so much for joining me today. As always, I'm here to help you by answering your questions on teaching students with severe and profound disabilities, including autism. Today we have a great question from Emily, but before we get into that, I want to let you know that you can have your question answered right here on the podcast by submitting them to The Nook. You can do that by going to www.noodlenook.net slash podcast. And if your question is chosen, you'll get a free resource from the Noodle Nook store where you can choose from tons of products perfect for your classroom, like the three different DIY dollar store vocational task boxes that are some of the best sellers in the store. Either way, with over 150 products, I'm sure you can find something that will work for you and your students. So head over to noodlenook.net slash podcast and submit your question today. All right, here's today's question from Emily. How and what functional skills should I teach to my self-contained high school class of 20 students with intellectual disabilities? Wow, that's a lot of students in a self-contained class. Oh my gosh, just managing that could be tough, and meeting the needs of so many students will definitely be a challenge. All right, the good news is that you can do it, and you can do it with purpose. So states have or are in the process of changing laws to require all students who graduate from K-12 to have curriculum that's based on the state standards. Even with academic curriculum in your classroom, you may have enough time to work on some other functional skills as well. So with that in mind, it sounds like you're interested in some other ideas for functional skills you can work on beyond the academics. So let's talk about that a little bit. The activities that you choose will depend largely on the transition plans in place for your students and what their true needs are for independent living, jobs, or schooling after they graduate. Some students in your classroom will likely not live independently or need support by living at home or with family, possibly in a group home or in an assisted living facility. Additionally, some of the students that you are working with will have paid jobs, others will have volunteer jobs, and still others might just participate in a day rehabilitation program. So knowing what your student's life will be like after high school can really help you craft your functional activities. So let's try a couple of things here. I'm going to throw out some big ideas, and then we're going to talk about one or two things you can do in each of those categories. We're going to talk about some health hygiene ideas, some social skills, some financial skills, some household skills, safety skills, sleeping skills, and yeah, that is an actual thing, and then some self-advocacy skills. All right, so for health and hygiene, I absolutely love having a grooming checklist in the classroom. So think of a way to incorporate students learning how to check themselves over to see how they look. You can also include a center where a student's sole activity is brushing their teeth or washing their hands. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in the academics, we forget to keep working on these very functional skills. All right, when it comes to social skills, I've got a couple ideas for you there too. For students who are on a more basic level, working on social skills can be as easy as identifying facial expressions and body language. Putting together a center based on that will help students to navigate through the nonverbal communication. That tends to be pretty tricky. Another idea for some social skills building is to set up a what-would-you-do center where students have to answer social skills situations. Provide a graphic organizer or allow students to record a video response or even role-play the situation with a peer. Either of those options is a great way to practice in a center like this. For centers to practice financial skills, everybody has to know how to pay the bills. So a great activity in the center would be to receive a paycheck and then have to pay out several bills. You may intentionally have less money than bills so that a student has to determine how to prioritize. You can use checking account registers, cash, or have students actually write out physical checks. Either way, it's a great center to build on some budgeting skills and personal finance as well. 
I also suggest a center where students comparison shop. And you can do that with store flyers that you probably get delivered to your house every week. On a post-it, write an item like cereal, and then have students look through the flyers to find the cheapest option. What a great way to price shop and work on math skills at the same time. All right, for some food skills building, everyone needs to know some very basic cooking skills in order to live independently. So try throwing in some centers where students have time to make a snack, a cold lunch that they might take to a job one day, or even a breakfast that goes beyond a bowl of cereal. You may be able to get away with a lot of cooking activities that don't require a stove, oven, or even microwave. And even without those items, there's still some skills that you can develop that will support your students. As a second option, have students practice making food choices at fast food joints, sit-down restaurants, or even in the school cafeteria. They should be able to look for things like calories, fat content, grams of sugar, and overall nutrition. It's not uncommon for our students to really pack on the pounds when they transition to independent living because they don't have a good foundation of how to make food choices when they're eating out or even purchasing groceries. When it comes to household skills, we can take on a ton of tasks, and I have found that I usually address these with some sort of chore inside of the classroom. I've always had a chore chart that the students did as part of their classroom routine, and that included things like sweeping, vacuuming, wiping down doorknobs, tables and chairs, watering plants or feeding my fish, and a bevy of other options that exist within the classroom. All of these help the students to get to be more household ready. A second option may include the task of doing laundry. I wish I could find someone to come over to my house to do the loads that I have waiting for me. Now, you may not have a washer and dryer accessible to your students at your school, but that does not prevent you from practicing sorting colors, selecting the wash cycle that you would use based on those colors, and then folding or hanging clothes once they're done. After you're done training your students, can you please send them over to my house? Okay, just kidding, just kidding. General safety skills are a must too. So I think that they fall into one of two categories. I consider one of those categories to be physical safety. In a center, it could be sorting activity where students are faced with a problem and they have to determine who they would ask for help. The ultimate goal is that a student know who can help them in different situations. As our students become more tech savvy, I consider the second general safety skill to be online safety. Again, another sorting activity to set up may be to sort appropriate online activities from inappropriate online activities. Our students need to know that it's not okay to share their names, addresses, or phone numbers with strangers online and to never give passwords away or put their social security number out into the World Wide Web. So having centers to build those general safety skills are so important. Now I know sleep skills seems outside of your responsibility, but you'll need some centers for winding down, which is something that people just don't know how to do all the time. I hear this a lot from parents of students with disabilities, but their kids don't often have an off button. In the classroom, here's an opportunity to teach a student how to do some quiet activities that would be great right before bedtime. Sometimes our kids want to go through the relaxing sequence and just don't have the skills to do it effectively. So here's a way to build that up. Another sleep skill that you might add to a center rotation is to tell time, set alarm clocks, and calculate future time. If a student is going to wake up to go to a job, they have to know what time they need to get up how long it's going to take to get ready, and how long it's going to take to get where they need to go. Those time-telling skills are critical and make a great center activity. And finally, for self-advocacy, it's hard to have a specific center or activity for that. And you may need to do some self-advocacy as an underlying skill in all of your centers. Try putting situations in front of your students where they need help and they have to navigate the social skill of asking for it, as well as the underlying self-advocacy skill. You may also decide to sit down with your student and do some person-centered planning. Lastly, 
add some self-reflection into your rotations and instruction. And in order to be a great self-advocate, you have to be able to reflect so you can make better choices and have a clearer understanding of the things that you need. So there you have it, a great handful of centers and activities that you can set up in your classroom to practice functional skills. And since this podcast is going to be a blog post, I highly suggest you check out the post and bookmark it so that you can find it later. Best of all, there's a checklist of independent skills that you can work through as you identify student needs. So double yay. All right. Thank you so much for the question, Emily. I'm going to send you out a free resource from the Noodle Milk store so that you can get things going in your classroom. I hope my suggestions make sense to you and your classroom. And for others of you listening, pop over to the post on the IEP Goal Bank so you can use it to complete your paperwork for your students. If you have a question you want answered on the Nook, head over to noodlenook.net and click on podcast to submit your question. All right, y'all, there are so many questions out there on how to be the best teacher you can be when you work with low-incident students and students with severe disabilities like autism, and we need all the great teachers we can get. So stay strong and teach on. Thanks for listening to The Nook. Don't miss the next episode by subscribing now. Bye, y'all.